To get more out of this podcast, head over to Nebula, the creator-owned streaming service where you can get more episodes ad-free and earlier than everybody else, plus bonus content and exclusive series by myself and more than 130 other top-tier educational creators, many of whom I've interviewed on this podcast. You can sign up for Nebula by clicking on the link in the description or go to nebula.tv slash conversations with Joe. You can sign up for Nebula by clicking on the link in the description or go to nebula.tv slash conversations with Joe. It not only helps support the podcast, it furthers our mission of building a platform that focuses on content that matters. Right now, methane is a huge deal and we don't talk about how big of a deal methane is. And methane became a bigger deal as natural gas became the like new way we were going to replace coal. So we have the, all this natural gas infrastructure and all of it at, at, is much more carbon efficient. So less carbon dioxide gets released in the atmosphere. But at every step of the way, there are methane leaks and methane is an even more potent greenhouse gas than carbon dioxide. Now it breaks down faster. So we don't have to worry about it for a hundred years, but or, or two or three or 400 years, but we do have to worry about it in the short term, especially, especially if there's like continuous new stuff being released. And the US is a huge releaser of methane. And the and nobody's talking about the fact that this it find like finally releasing methane is free in America right now. If you have a methane leak at oh. your pipeline, if you have a methane leak at your uh, the place where you are, are extracting it from the ground, oh. like you can, th there are some incentives to burn it if you can before it gets released. You just light it on fire, yeah. uh, so it's carbon dioxide instead of methane, <laughs> um, which is better, <laughs> so much, much better. better. <laughs> Today I'm talking to Hank Green. Like, do I even need to say anything to introduce him? I mean, it's Hank Green. Today I'm talking to Hank Green. I, I just, I don't know what else to say because I can't imagine somebody out there might know who I am but not know who Hank Green is. But fine, just in case, here we go. Hank Green got a start on YouTube in the very early, early days of the platform with his brother, John Green. They ran a channel called Vlog Brothers, where they kind of communicated back and forth with each other once a week. Um, and I don't know why I'm saying that in the past tense, because they're still totally at it today. Together, they cultivated a massive community of fans that call themselves Nerdfighters or Nerdfighteria, whose motto was, don't forget to be awesome. And with this following, they founded VidCon back in 2010, literally in the conference room of a hotel. Of course, today it's a massive convention for online content creators that kind of helps shape the industry. But while John went on to author books like The Fault in Our Stars, Hank went on to build a whole network of science and education-based channels like the various SciShows, Crash Course, Eons, Microcosmos, really too many to list here, all of it under the banner of his company, Complexly. And along the way, he's written a few books of his own, including A Completely Remarkable Thing and A Beautifully Foolish Endeavor. And somehow through all that, he has remained a very down-to-earth, very humble, generous guy that I've had the privilege to meet. And now I got a privilege to sit down and talk to. And uh, yeah, I want to thank Hank for his time. I really enjoyed getting to do this. But hey, how about I stop this intro that I said I didn't need to do and actually get into my conversation with Hank Green. Well, I thought I could start this off by, uh, if you'll indulge me, in telling uh -huh. a story. You're going to tell a story. Yeah. Can I can I start with yeah, a story? Tell it. Tell a story. It's it's the story of how I met Hank Green. Oh God! Yeah, I, I can see the the shivers already. Um, <laughs> so okay, so this is really for the studio audience, I suppose. But um, okay, so like 2017, long ass time ago, mm -hmm. um, I was still a pretty small channel at the time, and I went to VidCon, and I made my way into a party I probably wasn't supposed to be in. You know how you do. And uh, yeah, and so like there were all these big YouTubers there. John was there. I got to meet him for a minute. And, um, and on the way out, you were kind of like near the door and you had like 
you know, a crowd of people around you like you do and like it happens. And I was like three or four drinks in. So I had a little courage going and I decided I was going to go full Hamilton and not throw away my shot. Uh-huh. So, so I came over to you, you were like mid sentence. And I came up and did the whole, like, Oh, Hey man, how's it going? I'm a big fan. I love what you do. That whole thing. And you're just kind of like, Hey, yeah, thanks. You know? And you're polite about it. But then I like, couldn't sleep for weeks cause I was so cringy and stuff. But, um, so anyway, that was years ago. And since then my channel's grown and we travel in sort of similar circles. We do similar mm-hmm. things. I never knew for sure if you knew my channel or anything like that. Um, so then we go to VidCon a couple of weeks ago mm-hmm. and I'm at that standard party and I see you walk in across the yard and I'm like, oh, cool. Mm-hmm. Thanks here. Eventually I kind of like wind up in your general area. And again, there's like a group of people around and I'm like, okay, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll mosey over. I'm a Texan. I can mosey. <laughs> and, uh, First of all, people let me in the circle, which right there was a win to me. Well, that's it's that was a small as a small party. Uh, and and every and everybody was supposed to be there as far as I could tell. <laughs> I also probably had COVID at that time. So you you shouldn't have. I tested positive the next morning. Yeah. Uh um, so, so I, hopefully I didn't get you sick and I'm sure what I said was, oh my God, that guy from that VidCon party in 2017, I've been thinking about that ever since and no, how no, annoying. No, no. <laughs> I know I, I've been thinking about it ever since because I was so cringy, <laughs> but I knew you hadn't, but that, but that's, you, you kind of beat me to the end of the story. It was like, I, I finally got to meet you and we got to hang out and, uh, and you like, well, I got into that circle. My definition of self uh-huh. Is based on me in high school not being able to get in that circle and being on the right. outside and being yeah. like, "Hey guys, what you talking about? Hey, what's going on?" You know. <laughs> yeah. So just being in there was kind of cool, but but no, you you stopped and you were like, "I love your channel." Like you gave me a nice little compliment, and and I kind of did this thing, you know. But like, I really me? well, I wasn't being coy. Like talking to... Yeah, I, I got LASIK not too long ago, so I still see like halos oh, you everywhere. Really didn't know. Yeah, I couldn't make out where you were looking and I didn't want to err on the side of like, oh, thank you. Oh, you're talking to that guy. Yeah, sorry. You know, so uh, so that's how that happened. But yeah, like the next morning I, I was like on cloud nine. I'm like, hey, Hank knows me. That's cool. And then the next morning it was like, everybody needs to get tested because Hank came down with COVID. <laughs> and I'm like, of course that happened. Of, of course yeah. it did. Uh-huh. I did not get it from you, though. So don't. Great. That's great news. Um, it was an outdoor <laughs> party. Yeah, it was limited number of people, and I had tested that day, but not that hour. <laughs> well, I did a very light VidCon because nice. the, literally, like yeah. five days after I got back, we left the country. We went to Ireland. My wife and I did, nice. and uh, and we were gonna go in 2020, but couldn't because COVID hit yep. and all that got shut it down. Didn't so exist. Yeah, I would. I wish she would never speak to me again if I had gone off to to VidCon and gotten COVID and yeah. missed the trip. Yeah. So, yeah, actually, the, the night before uh, Tom Scott, I met him at a at a dinner and he had his mask on and was just like militant about it. He's like, I am not taking this mask off. Um, yeah, that's a terrible Tom Scott impression. But um... it wasn't bad. Um, but yeah, it's also <laughs> like Tom, Tom is like the of all the educational YouTubers, the the first of all, it shines through in his content. He almost never misses. But like oh my God. he is so certain of his like way being the best way all of the time, which I wish I had. Like, that is not how I feel. I'm like, nobody's wearing masks. I don't know. I guess I shouldn't wear a mask. And Tom's like, all of all of you are wrong. Mm, and he's yeah. right. Like, he was right. Mm-hmm. He's right. All of us are wrong. We need to be doing the Tom Scott. Um, but yeah, he's he is. Uh, I'm sure that he is 
not easy to work with because of that. <laughs> but but the, the content that comes out of that personality is yeah. just astoundingly good yeah yeah uh, I don't have that, whatever it is, that, that no, confidence or whatever to know no. that I'm right when the rest of the room is wrong. No, people people are like, I think it's better this way. And I'm like, sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's funny. It's like reverse. I, like, I, I noticed this even early on in COVID. Like if I walked into a restaurant and nobody was wearing a mask, I would just be like, oh, okay. I, guess I, I shouldn't get, wear I a mask. Yeah. Shouldn't it be the opposite? Like, shouldn't you be yes. like, yeah. Yes. If no one's wearing a mask, more masks. Yeah. Or on. That's, that's, that's the problem. That's what makes this happen. Yeah. I assume that you had a mild case, though. Uh, no, actually, no, I got my ass totally kicked. I was oh. down for two weeks, and then two weeks after that, I felt bad. I was like testing positive for two weeks, nice. um, and like, and I, I had a rebound case um, yeah. where I got better, and then I got sick again because I took Paxlovid, mm. um, and then uh, and I was I I probably wasn't to hundred percent for about four weeks. It was, Jeez. it is not cool. I take a uh, immune suppressant for my colitis, mm. which also. I had, it's a whole freaking story. I, we don't have time for it, but I had had to not take my colitis medication. And if you don't take it for too long, you develop an allergy to it and you can't take it anymore. Oh, wow. So I like took it the at, at the moment I started testing negative and then it came back. It was like, it was like, oh, so you've suppressed your immune system. I'm still here, oh, you idiot. Yeah, um, yeah. And so that's what happened. Um, but I was also starting to get colitis symptoms. Like it was a whole like, so on I top didn't of the COVID, you're having the, colitis symptoms. Yeah, I didn't know how to. I did not know how to make the, the, the right decision in that it? moment. That's my first COVID. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. As far yeah. as I know, I haven't had it. I've, I've, yeah. I've, I got sick back in March, and I had that whole rebound thing you were talking about. So a lot of people yeah. were like, "Oh, I think that was what that was." Mm -hmm. But it just lasted a few days, and it did totally kick my ass. But I tested, and it came back yeah. negative. So I yeah, don't know. yeah, yeah. Maybe I've just been lucky. Yeah. Well. Anyway. Get those vaccines. I should have got my fourth vaccine shot, which I was eligible for, but didn't do like a dork. Um, so I'm going to do it now. I don't know what the eligibility is on that. I think almost everybody's eligible now, but I, because of my colitis was already. That makes sense. Yeah. <clears throat> I guess I need to get another one too. But, um, well, you were talking about uh, before we hopped on the, um, that you were reading some climate change legislation, but it was I a was. good thing. Yeah. Uh, what, what has, it? what has your summer been like up in Missoula? Uh, it's been, um, weird, uh, but mm -hmm. relatively good because the big concern in the, in, in Montana is fires, yeah. but it's been really wet. Uh, it's, and it's just gotten to the point where things are starting to catch on fire. In fact, I was <clears throat> at Flathead Lake last weekend and we were like, wow, what a beautiful day. And then we like looked over the, over the lake and it was like, what's that? And then like within 20 minutes, it was like a wisp of smoke that turned into just oh a God. column, like a bomb had gone off that went straight up and then over us, which luckily we were close enough that it, it didn't come back down until significantly beyond us. Mm -hmm. But it was a, it turned, it turned into the biggest fire in Montana um, within 24 hours. Uh, you, it was very hot. The beginning of it. Yeah. And the, uh, so yeah, it's been, a, it's been really wet, which has kept it from burning, but it's been hot. It's always hot now. It yeah. was like, we had like our hottest temperature of all time or a tie for the hottest of all time last week or two weeks ago. It's been triple digits here for like two straight months or something yeah. like that. I'm in yeah. Dallas. And if you didn't know, it's that. not, yeah, not it's workable. Not fun. Um, <laughs> how far is Missoula from Boise? Cause my sister lives in Boise. It's like, I don't know, uh, but it's one of the big cities 
it's it's like the it's like a big city for us it's a place that people go to um but i don't i don't know exactly i think it's probably my guess would be seven hours so okay everything's very far apart yeah yeah Yeah, i wasn't sure yeah my sister lives out there and and it's funny because like and in texas we love to be like we got the worst weather and you know the biggest baddest and everything you know but they've been getting 100 degree temperatures up there and they get freezing you know zero degree temperatures in the winter so yeah yep it's really weird the the temperature swings can be like you can go from 40 at night to 90 in the day it's completely different from florida where it just like stuck in like a 10 degree range because the humidity holds on to all the heat yeah whereas there's no humidity here so it just right off into space it's always weird to me when i go to a place that doesn't have a lot of humidity it's like it's cooler in the shade yeah, yeah, you walk that's into the really shade and you're like, weird. that's nice. Yeah. yeah. It's not just con- it's not all convection. It is also the radiation that matters. <laughs> oh, t-shirt. <laughs> Put that on a t-shirt. <laughs> well, around here they've been talking on the news about how um it's not even so much the high temperatures, it's the high we're having the highest low temperatures. Interesting. That they'd ever seen. Like it's it's yeah. barely getting down below like 87 at night. Oh, yeah. So there's that's just no break. Really uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah. A lot of people here don't have AC, and so we really rely on that effect yeah. so that people can cool cool down at night, cool their houses off at night. Even though the night, because we're so north, doesn't last very long mm. in the summertime, which is cool. But we are we are on the tail end of that, and it's starting the sun's starting to come up at a reasonable hour, which is nice because I have a <laughs> I have a child who wakes up when the sun comes up. Yeah. Um, I don't know why it's I've always lived in the same spot. I haven't like moved around a whole lot. So I'm always fascinated when I go to other places and the sun goes down later there. Yeah. And where I am, like when we were in Ireland, it didn't it didn't get dark to like 1030. Yeah. It's like, what is going on? It's, yeah. Like, yeah. It's up there. Uh huh. So I want to tell you. Uh, so this is I, you're the first person I've like talked to since last <laughs> night when uh, when basically Kirsten Cinema said, okay, fine. I don't know how they got her to say, okay, fine. I know, right? But there's the, this Inflation Reduction Act, which does mm-hmm. a number of things, but the majority of the money is for climate stuff. And it's been very interesting to witness because, of course, there was a, a former version of this bill that had more stuff in it. And some of that stuff is gone. And I think that we have been so conditioned to be upset that like we can't handle a good thing happening and i agree like there are definitely things that i would be like that is a mistake like i would not have put that in and and, like that's 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 very frustrating but i also understand there are reasons why those things happened um and but but the the bigger thing i understand is like and i don't think anybody does is how big of a bill this is it's just it's everything it's got I like I need to do a whole video slash Twitter thread slash very long TikTok, like all three of those things. I don't know if I have time to do it <laughs> about all of the stuff that is in here. And that's what I'm trying to do right now is go through sort mm-hmm. of like break it down by maybe two categories, maybe three. Like one is like, how much does it contribute to future reductions in emissions Two, how much does it cost? Like how much money is being spent on these individual things? And maybe three, like... <clears throat> How is it how is it connected to um, specifically inequality, 
which is another thing that this like legislation focused on, which previous energy legislation never thought about at all. But there's specific money that got in here for reasons of and 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 ways to allocate the money that is that is in there that that is intended to benefit people who have less who have traditionally been the ones who have, have had the biggest environmental impacts on them. Like there's $3 right. billion dollars to clean up the air around ports, which is where low-income people live. Mm -hmm. And that's why that's one of the reasons why those places are cheaper, but like people are forced into places where they're going to have more lung disease, they're going to have more asthma, that is going to they're going to die younger. And you know, three aware is a lot of money. And uh and and you know, I like, but it's a tiny part of the bill overall. And, you know, there's stuff for like the USPS is like the, your mail truck isn't going to be driven by gasoline anymore. And like the, and there's a huge thing for um, sort of a, a tax on right now. Methane is a huge deal. And we don't talk about how big of a deal methane is. And methane became a bigger deal as natural gas became the like, a new way we were going to replace coal. So we have all this natural gas infrastructure and all of it, at, at, it is much more carbon efficient. So less carbon dioxide gets released in the atmosphere. But at every step of the way, there are methane leaks and methane is an even more potent greenhouse gas than carbon dioxide. Now it breaks down faster. So we don't have to worry about it for a hundred years but or, or two or three or 400 years. But we do have to worry about it in the short term, especially, especially if there's like continuous new stuff being released. And the US is a huge releaser of methane. And the and nobody's talking about the fact that this, it fin like finally releasing methane is free in America right now. If you have a methane leak at oh. your pipeline, if you have a methane leak at your uh, the place where you are extracting it from the ground right. like you can th there are some incentives to burn it if you can before it gets released you just light it on fire yeah. uh so it's carbon dioxide instead of methane <laughs> um, which is better <laughs> so much, much better, better. <laughs> yeah. uh but there are but there's no there's no reason to not do it and this then the bill has like you either have to like comply with the epa regulations that we are doing here or if you don't we will you know, it's basically every bit that you release will charge you for. Right. And it's a it's an economic incentive to not just do the cheap thing, which has resulted in basically in the short term, the transition from coal to natural gas being a net neutral for the climate. Like it's not better because so much methane is being released. Right. In the long term, it is because methane breaks down fast. But in the short term, it isn't. And <clears throat> short term is important when there are heat waves that are killing people. Mm -hmm. So there's a, it's like there isn't one kind of solution in the bill there's so many different kinds of things that's like you can't talk about it quickly and easily so i'm trying to figure out like i'm reading all this stuff to try and figure out how to make a video about it that will yeah. be less than an hour long and watchable <laughs> so how many pages per minute would you have to get through to of the, if it was just the bill it would be a lot yeah. So is this one of those things where like they were trying to pass a bunch of different bills that had a bunch of different things in it and it's kind of like became one giant thing because yeah, it's, so it's the inflation reduction bill. Yeah, so inflation stuff. reduction act and it and it also like allows Medicare to negotiate with prescription drug companies, which it never could before. Oh, something that we've been that. trying to allow Medicare to do for decades. Yeah. And yeah. that's in there. But yeah, it's it's a um so there are two there are two ways to pass legislation, and one of them you have to surpass the filibuster, um, and that's how you yeah. like 
but you can, I think like once a year or something, I don't understand how it works. There's budget reconciliation, which is like, this is the government passing a budget. And all so all this stuff is inside of the budget and you don't need to overcome the filibuster to pass mm. that. So you can do it with just the 50 Democrats, which is why it's been tricky because we have exactly 50 and two of them are dill holes. <laughs> they're semi-pseudo Democrats. Yeah. There's there's a, a D behind well, the name of it. Yeah. You know, I, I, I have some, I have people won't be mad at me for this, but like Joe Manchin won in West Virginia where Joe Biden lost by like a hundred points. Like that was that it's a, it is Trump country and it's not easy to get elected uh, there and there are advantages, but I certainly were, if I were in his seat, I would not vote the way that he, uh, does but i also wouldn't get elected so i don't know how it all works on a but, certain level i'm kind of like well he is representing that state and that is what that state wants yeah and as a person who lives in montana and has a democratic senator i'm like yeah i get it but i mean john tester kicks ass yeah, he's not cool. doing any of this shit <laughs> john tester well, the- is the man and i will do anything he asks of me <laughs> if he's listening <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I I pledge my fealty. Yeah. Um, you bend the knee. Um, the filibuster thing drives me nuts because it's so correct weird. me if I'm wrong. That is not how the Senate is supposed to work. I don't have any idea. <laughs> okay. Right, well. <laughs> I've, I, I have no, like, I, I'd like to know. All I know is that everyone who I uh, respect is like, get rid of that. And if, uh-huh. if you don't, they will the moment they can, but I don't know. What it's, if they limited the number of filibusters per legislative session? Like you can, well, like maybe you can do I two bet, or three. I it's bet like in that case, basketball. Or bet in that case, you know? there'd be a, there'd be a lot more uh, legislation that the Republicans hate. They'd just be like, "All right, let's get a lot of bills, a lot of little ones. <laughs> oh, get the filibusters all done, yeah, and then we'll do the, the big ones." Yeah, yeah, exactly. But maybe you know, it's just like with fouls, though. You save them. Maybe you save them, and you let something go through. Mm. Yeah, I like that. A well, compromise like, on filibusters. The fact that like <laughs> literally everything has to be filibuster proof. Yeah. No matter what it is, they're going to filibuster it. And it's like, yeah, it's well, there, there way. have been a couple of, and this has been interesting. Like a, and it, it's been, a, I don't know. When is this podcast going to come out? Uh, a couple of weeks, probably. Okay. Well, it, this will probably look very uh, uh, um, outdated. I don't know outdated and, and overly optimistic when this comes out, mm. because I'm sure that the world will have regained its trash fire status, <laughs> but it's been like kind of a fun week to be a progressive. Um, you know, there's Kansas, Kansas kicked ass. Uh, Alex Jones is just getting completely everything that he deserves. Mm-hmm. Um, that's nice. There was, uh, you know, John Tester uh, was sort of championed this veterans health bill that, you know, 11 Republicans well, did didn't vote pass. for it first. Yeah. And, but then they, they had originally said, okay, we're not going to pass that because of this thing you're doing with the inflation reduction act. And then everybody was like, so you're going to say that veterans who got, yeah. got cancer from being exposed to toxic stuff while they were at war are out of luck because we are doing what we said we'd do. And they're like, okay, fine. I guess we'll pass it. Um, so that happened, um, uh, you know, it's there's rare a... that you see public shaming work anymore. 
Yeah, I mean, it I think, actually did. Work. I th- yeah, I think that I think there's public shaming, and then there's like that's gonna be in every ad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, hates veterans. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it, and then this, you know, which still isn't signed or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and and there are a number of hurdles that it has to go through, and and so I haven't drunk my champagne yet, but um, yeah. It's just sort of like it all. It's it sort of feels, um, compared to the last few years, like oh, we can get a lot done in a week, I guess. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's it has felt like nothing has been yeah happening, and and also there's like web telescope pictures to look at, which also makes me happy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I had a really stressful week, um, and so it was nice to um, feel like the world wasn't on fire. Also, moment. it's funny that you kind of like immediately went to to politics here. Is that is that like a, a passion of yours or is it something that you can't really talk about as much as you would like? Um, maybe you do. I I don't think of you as a political so, person, but I mean Yeah, yeah. I I care a lot about the problems that we have. Yeah. And I certainly disagree with people who agree with me on a lot of things, you know. That like right. there's I I often find myself well, I mean, a big thing that I a big problem I have is is that I tend to see people who agree with me on stuff doing the exact same stuff that they criticize other people for doing, just creating these ridiculous straw men for assuming that they understand everything about other people for holding up the worst person of the opposition as the Mm -hmm. example of the average person of the opposition, um, assuming that they know why someone might not want to take a vaccine when and like you know sort of anti-vax conspiracy theory isn't the majority of it like a lot of it is just like people are unmotivated or needle phobic or both and that or they just don't think it's a big deal they just don't think it's a big deal yeah yeah, yeah they don't think about it a lot and the the uh like all like i i um and, and also that like ultimately um you can't like you have to live in a country with people who disagree with you and to uh to sort of find the ways that that disagreement needs to be sort of heightened to the highest level of near murder um is sort of how it can be discussed just seems to me to to be more about um projecting our you know projecting virtue or um you know uh making content for people who you, who you like or who like you uh than it is about trying to solve problems yeah. um you know i like that that upsets me a lot mm-hmm. uh, but i don't talk about that because that gets you that gets you sort of attacked by mm-hmm. um those people who are who are basically entrepreneurs of conflict you know who who mm-hmm. need the conflict in order to have the thing that is bringing them status of some kind or meaning um and i think that there's a lot of there's a lot of need and space for anger and frustration and like also you can't expect people to act rationally all the time we're mostly operating on vibes and i totally understand people (laughs) are pissed off when things don't uh sort of recognize the reality of how terrible something is for a group of people um uh but i think there's also a place for slow hard 
compromise work like this climate legislation, which took forever mm -hmm. and they had to get a lot of people on board and they had to they had to have a lot of different sort of elements of the climate movement satisfied, but not happy. Yeah. Um, and that and, and, you know, like even inside of the climate change movement, there is a lot of disagreement about what mm -hmm. to focus on. And, the, you know, there were times when certain people who ha sort of like, you know, have a lot of influence over their senator, certain groups were like, I don't think that we can we can support this bill anymore. And then you had to go back to the table and figure that figure that out. And that's hard, long, slow work. Yeah. And it's uh, kind of structured yeah. that way. It's supposed to be. Because people disagree with each other yeah. and they have to. Otherwise, it would be really scary yeah. and boring. <laughs> uh, going going either direction, it gets really uh, scary. Um, but yeah, I'm not so much. Um, I'm not. I'm very and have always been very active uh, and, and very passionate about um, climate legislation and mm -hmm. climate activism. Um, that's yeah. been sort of my whole been a present through that i went my graduate degree is in environmental studies weirdly oh, that's nice. i didn't know that yeah yeah do, do you feel like you know with the platform that you have it's kind of a responsibility with with great power comes great responsibility it's it's like yeah that's, that's what you yeah i think that yeah but i think that you, what you how you define responsibility uh would is very different from person to person true yeah. I mean, I, I guess my def definition would be like just being responsible with what you put out in terms of like there's people listening and they act on that, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, th I think a lot of people are not very responsible with that. And that, that gets really frustrating for me. Yeah. 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 Um, yes. I funny. hate that a lot. <laughs> yeah. I, I've actually tried lately to sort of. I mean, we can talk about as much as you want here, but but like I've tried to sort of avoid politics, even with people that I agree with, because it just everything just immediately goes there all the time. And it's like there yeah. needs to be more to life than that. Right. You know? Right. Especially because it's all bad. Whereas in this situation <laughs> where I was like, I want to like I, I need to I desperately need to be talking to somebody about like a thing that happened that made me feel good. Right. Yeah, exactly. So um, like and it's almost like it's not. It's. It's almost like it's not talking about politics. It's like it's talking about the worst, the worst thing that happened today, yeah. which is often politics. And that that I do not want to do. I don't want to talk about the worst thing that happened today, which something mm -hmm. terrible did happen today, both when we're recording this and when people are listening to it, what, whatever day they're listening to mm -hmm. it on, because it's a big world with a lot of bad stuff. So uh I am curious your take on this. So as as a science communicator, as somebody uh -huh. who like talks about this kind of stuff all the time. Yeah. I find myself almost like in a split personality situation here where like I am simultaneously thinking humans are, are smart. We're, yeah. We have a lot of ingenuity. We'll figure a way yeah. out of this. We're There's amazing. hope in this world. Yeah. Look at the things we can accomplish. And at the exact same time, I'm like, of course, everything's falling apart. Everything we do is unsustainable. <laughs> we, you know, we, yes, this is, we, the, this is the end have, times. You know, this is a ridiculous amount of power and it's only going up and we are just monkeys. Yeah, we are. We are monkeys with tools that are so powerful, so dangerously powerful. I hope you didn't need my side of the audio because mine has stopped recording, which has never happened to me before. Oh, but uh, I'm good so far. Okay, I'm gonna start recording on this end again. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, yeah, and and John, uh, John and I had this conversation a while back, my brother, um, about 
um, the internet and people and how it sort of seems like we are a bunch of monkeys with a gun and but we've never we've never been introduced to what a gun is or does mm -hmm. and we keep we keep shooting it and we're like god this thing is loud and then you shoot <laughs> it and you're like then suddenly you're like ow my foot and uh -huh. you're like but you have no idea that the the connection between the things that's how we are with the internet where we have yeah. this massively powerful tool that we do not understand at all uh-huh and we are trying to understand it, but it's super complicated. And we understand it more now than we did 10 years ago, and maybe more now than we did last year. But like mm. we don't understand the effects that this is going to have that this is having or going to have. And then in the meantime, we're like, let's move on to the next thing, everybody. Web three this shit up. Yeah. Metaverse oh, metaverse. Yeah. Exactly. Like, let's let's in enter the internet. Yeah. Y'all thing we I'm, don't understand. I'm metaversed. I don't, this is what I don't get about the metaverse. I am so metaversed when that, when my wife asks me a question and I'm looking at Twitter, I didn't hear her. I am metaversed mm. enough already. <laughs> I am in it. Like William Gibson, cyberspace all the way. I, my brain enters the uh. phone. We we are uh, sort of cyborgs already because oh, we're God, so yeah. connected to yeah yeah it's wild I to actually sort of see people think that we aren't and be like where's the future and I'm like it's now yeah. look at you with your thing in your ear talking to you all the time and your little handheld computer that contains the entire world's knowledge and also is the only way that anything gets done anymore. Mm -hmm. I um I'm flirting with this I'm flirting with this idea. Um, I'm absolutely going to do it eventually, but, um, I, I want to do like a 30 day living with a dumb phone kind of thing. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, they've got those, maybe they don't appreciate that term, but light phone is one of yeah. them. It's uh -huh. yeah. It's, it's just the regular phone and has, I think it plays music too, but, um, I think it's interesting because like, for example, I have, I have a, a model three, a Tesla model three, and it uses my phone to open the car. Oh, wow. So, so I mean that that's a, that's a that's a good first uh first clip of the video yeah, where you're like I can't drive oh, anywhere. I can't drive. I can't get my coffee. How do you how that has there has to be on a way to get in the car. There is there's a little key card thing that you okay. use that opens it but um right. Yeah. And then, yeah you might even be able to do it with one of those cuz they have bluetooth that's all it is is a bluetooth connection. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I've heard people also talking about like they'll go to a restaurant and most places just use the QR code thing now, or a lot of places do. They don't have like yeah. physical menus anymore. And um, they're like, I, I couldn't order food or I had to ask for a physical menu because I mm -hmm. couldn't use my phone to look mm -hmm. up the menu. Yeah. It's just funny the way things have shaped that way. Um, but no, the thing about the internet that you're saying, like, I, I totally agree with you. And and I feel like um, I'd made the point somewhere along the line that that every um, technological innovation and in communication was followed by a period of unrest, you know, like, um, you know, the, the printing press kind of led to the reformation and stuff like that and mm -hmm. radio. And then there was yeah. like world war two right after or whatever, mm -hmm. world war one. Um, and so now I feel like this is the, the crisis point that we're going to have because of the internet we're kind of, uh, going through right now whatever that's going to lead to. We'll see. But, um, yeah, uh, it doesn't tend to be good. In the near term. Oh, yeah, exactly. Like, no one would say, ooh, boo, printing press, so bad. Right. Don't do those anymore. Break them. Throw them out. No more printed words. Bad. Yeah. <laughs> but that's how they, people totally felt that way at the time. Lots mm -hmm. of people, particularly sure. the church. 
<laughs> TV, when TV came out, it's going to rot your brain. And oh, yeah. People won't and be it, able to have conversations to some, anymore. To some extent it did. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, absolutely. I was just talking about this with a friend last night that like every, every, we don't, and we don't know, like we don't know mm. the impact, but what we do know is that people are very re resilient and very capable of change. And you were saying you are, you as a science communicator waffle between these like visions of humanity like look at all of the things we've done we are problem solving machines and we are monkeys with way too much power and we're going to mm -hmm. shoot ourselves in the face i am simultaneously both of those things at the same time and at yeah. any given moment i could answer either way you know yeah. just depending on which yeah. direction the, yeah the it's wind like is which blowing. gamma ray hit my brain that <laughs> yeah. moment <laughs> exactly i was just kind of wondering if you i, I don't know if it's like because a lot of it is, it feels like to me, it's based on the fact that I've just talked about so many things and I've, I, I have a very shallow, what do they call it? Yeah. Like a, I have a, yeah, it's, I've got a very surface level knowledge of a lot of stuff. Yeah. That's Nothing deep at all, yeah. but, but it's like, it's just enough to make me scared and hopeful and mm -hmm. not know which way things are actually <clears throat> going to go for anything, I guess. Yeah. Well, no one knows which way things are going to go. The, the, the problem is when you have to think about it a lot, it makes you anxious. Uh, yeah. And most people, I don't know about most people right now, um, but most people throughout history have just sort of been like, oh, well, you know, whatever. This world is this world and I will solve my the problems in my my immediate surroundings and work in, on that and be weirded out about that rather than I am worried that humanity will destroy itself. I do that too much. You think about that too much. Way too much. Yeah. I'm, I'm yeah, seeing a therapist. We're but working it's on good. It. Somebody's got to do it. <laughs> Somebody's got to do it. Does it have to be me? Do I have to be that somebody? Uh, no, probably not. Uh, my wife would definitely say I don't, but and yet I'm very interested in it. Seems yeah. important. Yeah. <laughs> um. Well, are you are you up for talking some shop? Yeah, please. Because there was some shop stuff I was curious about. <clears throat> um, as somebody who has sort of made the transition from a guy who like uploaded YouTube videos to somebody who now is like managing people yeah. and running a business or, or yeah. two, I imagine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I was just curious if I could get you to talk about that transition and what, what hurdles you overcame and what were the lessons yeah. you learned and like, what's, do you even like doing it? Um, I do like, I'm, doing I'm asking it. for a friend and that friend is me. That's so that's the first, <laughs> the first bit is what's good about it. Um, and what's good about it is like, there's nothing like I find it much more rewarding to work with a team of capable people to create something than I do to just grind it out on my own. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the, especially because like people have skills I don't have and, um, knowledge I don't have. So it, you know, I couldn't do these things and no yeah. one could, you know, when, when, so there's a lot of times when you sort of get to a point where it, kind of nobody can do the thing that would be the best thing on their own. And that's when you need a team. Mm -hmm. Nobody knows how to build an iPhone. That's like the extent, like that. that's like the furthest extent of that problem. Like no, there are people who sort of understand all the pieces that go in, but nobody could build an iPhone on their own. Mm, yeah. Um, and then um, the, uh, and, you know, when I see, I mean, just each each individual piece of content um, that comes out of what we do. I'm like, wow, couldn't have done that. But that's great. Yeah. Um, yeah. And a lot of, you know, I'm good at I'm good at a, a, a bunch of stuff. Um, but the, uh, you know, a lot of what I know I can teach 
um, or isn't that special. And uh, so that's very good. Um, Now there are like what there are also inevitably like human conflict among people that aren't me that then (laughs) is like a problem for me. And that's very weird. You know, I feel like if everybody else was me, I would be fighting with them even more. Yeah. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Yeah. No compromising. We've split off (laughs) the deep disagreement that cannot be resolved between me and me, me and me. Yeah. Um, so I, uh, that's really hard and I don't, and I don't feel skilled at it. Um, and, Mm. and yet it, and yet it is my problem sometimes. Um, Wait, that that's the getting along with others thing or, or managing yeah, just people? Be, like oh, okay. when yeah it's part of like a big there's lots of different parts of management but one of the very hard parts is when people need to work together but they're having a hard time getting along and i'm uh, i'm terrible yeah. at, de- at delegating i'm terrible at asking people to do things oh uh, yeah i don't feedback. have that problem i don't have i love asking people to do things so. <laughs> <laughs> i'm always oh, always like I'm, I'm like lumberg it's like yeah i'm gonna have to maybe kind of disagree with you <laughs> can we try that can we try it which is fine that's just fine it's it's interesting to be in the position where you know i try to have a lot of like i try to only have people in power at my company who feel not just comfortable but um excited to disagree with me um okay uh and there are but the and yet there are still situations where i'm like i'm right and i'm in charge um and and I and your objection is duly noted. Mm-hmm. And if it turns out you were right, I will tell you that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, sometimes they are. <laughs> I always have to I say I'm, I'm putting my boss hat on now. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm, I'm the boss all the time, but these, these are also like friends of mine and stuff. And, and yeah. most of them are people that I knew before, you know, they right. came on because uh-huh. and I brought them on because they're talented and they were interested in everything. Uh, and I like them. So from time to time, I have to be like, OK, I'm putting my boss hat on. <laughs> And I got to mm-hmm. tell you, you suck. Yeah. But, yeah. Okay. I'll tell you that not only is your idea bad, but you are. As a human. <laughs> You're a horrible human being. I love you. Let's get coffee. Yeah. yeah. And fired. I've been in that situation where I've had a boss who's been like, nope, all of you are wrong. This is a great idea. But I only remember the times when they were wrong. <laughs> I don't know if I'm just not remembering the times when they were right because it wasn't as fun yeah uh yeah. but like i definitely have a couple examples of being everybody was like this is a bad idea and him being like no we're gonna do it and i i have heard all of your arguments but I, we're gonna and i i took that lesson and like you know afterward the response was his response was y'all were right and i think that that is that's the way you got to do it mm-hmm. you know, we're not going to do that again yeah yeah, yeah. So that that's a good that's a good learning. But I definitely pulled I definitely pulled that card. Um, I'm like I'm Hank f-ing Green. And I know more <laughs> about the internet. Than Do you me. know who I am? <laughs> I'm on the internet. This episode is supported by Curiosity Stream. So we're sitting here talking to Hank Green, and and one of his big passion projects has been the Crash Course series, which I've just recently found out is on Curiosity Stream. Every last episode, and dude, I had no idea how many of these there are. Like, check this out. I'm just going to read them for you. Here we go. They have a crash course series on U.S. history, European history, world history, big history, the history of science, sociology, ecology, psychology, anatomy and physiology, filmmaking, film history, film criticism, media literacy, gaming, mythology, statistics, business, entrepreneurship, study skills, and multiple literature classes. 
and I left some out. So if any of those sound interesting to you, um, you know, these are a comprehensive series that combine live action and animation to give you a sort of a foundational understanding of these topics in an entertaining format. Uh, it's, it's seriously awesome, and they're all on CuriosityStream. And those are, of course, just the start. CuriosityStream is the home of thousands of documentaries on science, history, art. The list keeps going from some of the best filmmakers around the world, and somehow... Curiosity Stream has remained insanely affordable at only $14.79 for an entire year when you use my URL curiositystream.com slash Pod. But it gets even better because when you sign up for Curiosity Stream, you also get Nebula, the streaming service that I'm a part of, as well as many of your favorite smart YouTubers where you can see all of our stuff ad-free and earlier than everybody else. Uh, meaning this podcast will, on Nebula wouldn't have this amazing ad read you're listening to right now because I do have these podcasts on Nebula. It's also the only place you can see my Nebula original series, Mysteries of the Human Body, and my brand new series called Forgotten Atrocities, where I take a look at some of the darker moments in human history that you may never have heard of. And yeah, you get both of those services for only $14.79 for an entire year. Um, I know that the economy is tough these days. People are tightening their belts. But uh, this really is the cheapest, uh, best bang for your buck kind of thing that you're ever going to come across. I did the math. It comes out to $0.62 cents per month per service. Like, it's just impossible to get a better deal than that. So, again, to get all that, just go to curiositystream.com slash Pod. Again, that's curiositystream.com slash Pod. And you can get started getting your stream curiosity like I do and stuff. And you can check out all those Crash Course episodes. They're really cool. Anyway, go check it out. And thanks to CuriosityStream for supporting this podcast. Now, back to Hank. Um, well, this sort of piggybacks on um, talking about the whole business thing. Like, how many channels do you have right now that you're a part of? I mean, at Complexly? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe 10. I guess, I guess, I guess you kind of manage some channels that. that you don't you don't actually you're not in oh yeah, yeah 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 i mean complexly uh produces channels that i have no part in for sure yeah yeah um that you know eons i used to host mm-hmm. but don't anymore um and and all all i do at eons is i say good job <laughs> <laughs> that's it they, they've, they've got it down um oh that's a great channel we've got a channel called healthcare triage which mm-hmm. is a sort of small but well i think under i think that it has a a, a bigger impact uh, then it would its viewership would indicate because I think it's watched by a lot of healthcare professionals. It's sort of a wonky health, uh, like what what are the you know both sort of you know politics of it, but also like like healthcare stuff, uh, mm-hmm. but also um, new interesting developments and in treatments and stuff. So, so the more professional level people are hearing that and it's kind of affecting them. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's cool. Yeah. It's this guy, it's this guy that my brother met, his name is Aaron Carroll and he's just like uh-huh. a very influential doctor guy. He's got like a New York times column and you know, he does this with us. Cool. He's, he's got I a great a personality. Yeah, he does. Uh, and, and I like yeah. how it is kind of like a lot of times I'll watch it and it's like, Oh, I really didn't think it was going to be what he just said. You know, yeah, like I, I, totally. I thought that it would be it's, this one thing and, it's changed my perspective on a number of things where I'm like, you know, maybe my perspective was more influenced by my ideology than mm-hmm. by reality. Yeah. Which is you, always you need the that, case uh, that cold water every once in a while. Yeah. yeah. Um, Microcosmos might be one of my favorites. Oh, yeah. Nice. It, it's it's an ASMR channel. Let's just be honest. It's not. <laughs> it's you know, when what we said when we were starting it, we were like, we want to make something that you can like you could really learn something while high. 
Okay. Yeah. They're just yeah. like, I just want to like chill. It's a very and, calming. You, yeah. You got, you've got the soft voice. I do down. the. This is the microphone. You're I like right on the yeah, microphone. Right. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> you're you're the you're the Bob Ross of bacteria. It's, yeah. It's very I Bob Rossy. Love it so much. I've learned, and I've learned so much because I didn't know anything about that world when I started. I mm. I I watched this video that was just a clip of a some ciliate disintegrating. I don't know what happened to it, but its membrane just sort of rips apart, unzippers and its cytoplasm just becomes the environment instead of being an organism. So it's just witnessing a cell die. And I reached out to the guy who had posted it. And I was like, hey, can I license that? And he was like, I've already licensed it to like Jukin or something. Um, So I couldn't. But I, uh, I mean, I could have licensed it from Jukin, but I didn't on principle and (laughs) (laughs) i have before licensed from juke and i guess my principles only stretch so far Mm. but the um (laughs) the um and i shouldn't i shouldn't say that i think actually they probably provide a service and they certainly get paid for that service but it's nice that people can make some money off of their stuff um but uh the uh, I, I, but he was like, I don't know, maybe something else. And I was like, I, you know, I, I've, I had thought a bunch about doing a, a channel that was sort of like micro stuff, mm-hmm. but I don't have the, I don't even have the, at that time, I didn't have the knowledge to even know what microscope to buy. There are a lot of microscopes and a lot that they do a lot of different things. Um, and so I just sort of like took a gamble on this guy who lives in poland and uh is turkish and um i've never met and i hope to meet him someday i very much hope that he can get to north america one way or another um because mm-hmm. it's not it's not easy to be an immigrant in poland right now um mm-hmm. yeah it's there's a you know it's it's i'm happy that poland has been a place for a lot of people to go but it uh has made it more complicated for him um and the uh the 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 the, his ability to continue leveling up um both what it like the equipment and his skill and i mean he is the most i dedicated to the thing that he does of anyone i know he has cats and he (laughs) has a microscope and like he's you know he's also he has (laughs) has has a life he's got uh, you know he's does does things but like in he does not watch tv he watches microbes you know that's what he does in all of his free time and his, his it's friends. also become his work time and he, i mean he has got so he's got like he's surrounded by jars and he takes care of all of these jars like they're aquariums but there is nothing in them that well there's you know there's nothing in them that's visibly big yeah, yeah. like he could the biggest things you could see are stenters which are macroscopic single-celled organisms um uh-huh. and so so not... he he's he he does the video and sends it to you and and then you guys yeah. write around that like does he tell you what it is and, and yeah then yeah so we have research it? we have pitch meetings where um he'll talk about some of the things that he's seen oh, okay. recently and we try and figure out how to turn that into a video or we come to him with ideas and we're like how could you like what like if we wanted to talk about this uh, feature of microbes what microbes would you feature and do you have any footage of them so it's sort of collaborative in that way and okay. and we've you know 
we've also talked about using other people's footage. There's a there's a lot of stuff that um you know it's a big world. Weirdly though, this is one of the things I learned through doing this channel. It's a big world, but uh microbes tend to be universal. So like the the species of tardigrades in mm. Europe at the at the like the place at the, in the ecosystems the habitats that they would thrive in Europe exact same species in North America hmm. exact same species in Asia and i was like this isn't how it works <laughs> yeah i never thought um, about that but it is how it works with for example brown bears so grizzly bears um are circumpolar and so they are can all interbreed because they're because they are like geographically contiguous. The thing uh -huh. that makes a new species, there's a bunch of things, but one of the, you know, when, when you have one species uh, that turns into two, just sort of like diverging from each other, even though they're in the same habitats and they have that kind of same needs is a geographical barrier. Tardigrades don't have geographical barriers because they blow around. Uh -huh. They get caught up in storms. They turn into like little, spores basically uh -huh. that are so light that they could just get blown off of moss sucked into the air and then they land all over the world yeah yeah and I, like i never understand and this is the case with a pretty much every single celled organism they get sucked up into storms and they land elsewhere because they're small enough and so they're like they are you know there are some that are kind of too big for that and some that are like like super evolved for a very specific environment where mm -hmm. they aren't that way but a lot of stuff it's just hmm. universal That's species that are everywhere. That. Yeah. Um, I, I did a video recently where I was talking about places that you can't go. And one of them was this brand new island off the coast of Iceland. That's, uh, I mean, maybe like 50 years old or something, yeah. you know, it's yeah. kind of like peaked up. And and so like, they're like, nobody touch it. We want to see <laughs> yeah. what happens, you know? And, and so, so they're like, just yeah. basically waiting for like, there's already plant life growing on there. And yeah, uh, of course, birds have landed on it and stuff, yeah. but you know. Nobody touch it. Yeah, we're just Leave put a on. drone over it and watch. Yeah, <laughs> we'll we'll see what humans just pop up there in you know yeah. two million years. Yeah, yeah, uh, but that would be. I mean, that that's that's one of those fascinating ideas of like if we um, uh, you know found life somewhere else in Mars or whatever, and yeah, it would would it look like a what we see here? Well, that's that's the thing? biggest question. Yeah. If we get if we get if we find some old Mars life. Does it have the same chemistry as us or did it evolve? Because if it has the same chemistry as us, that has a big implication. And if it has different chemistry from us, that has a bigger implication. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Have you, uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Have you uh, been watching uh, For All Mankind? I haven't. Yeah. I haven't. Okay. I've heard I had, a I had just enough. I had, I reached, it reached critical mass of people telling me that I need to yeah. watch it. So I've been yeah. watching it and yeah. not to spoil too much, but in the third season, they, they go to Mars and there's a big argument there about like, as soon as we land there, it's contaminated. Right. Yeah. You know, and, and we have to mm -hmm. like, they're, they're looking for ice, but it's like, we can't actually use the ice until we make sure it doesn't have, you know, life in it. And so. This is already a problem now where we mm -hmm. we get like a methane sample from Mars and we're like, was that Mars methane or was that like a pocket of Earth atmosphere that was in the rover that got released at just the right time? Yeah. 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 I mean, I was I was already kind of thinking that with like, yeah, if the rover like found something. How do we 100 percent know that? Oh, it yeah. Didn't, no, you know, we don't. We don't sterilize um, it the best you can. But I mean, we do. We do for it like and. Perseverance is somewhat designed for this, but we can definitely tell like 
chem chemistry, like when we take a chemistry, like a sample, there's a lot of procedures in place to make sure that that sample is just Mars stuff. And then you do analysis on that sample. But like, if you found a, if you found something that you were like looking at and being like that, like took, taking a picture of it and being like, you can't tell what it is if it's geological or biological, just by looking at it, you need to get it back yeah. to earth. And that's hard. But yeah. man, that thing sure is just trolling around a Delta now. That's awesome. Yeah. That's yeah. another good thing. Uh, Artemis one might actually be taking off soon. Wait, what? I didn't know that. Really? Oh yeah, I did uh, know that. Never mind. August 29th right now is what it's scheduled okay. for. Yeah. Finally. Um, I'm actually in the middle of a series on Artemis. I'm, I'm going to record actually once we're done here, um, part two, but I didn't realize until I started really digging into, I mean, I knew that their plan was, I'm actually already wearing the shirts like yeah, moon to yeah. Mars, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but I knew that that was their plan. sort of like go to the moon and then, then onto Mars, but like on their website and on their stuff, it's like, they mention Mars almost as much as they mention the moon when they mm -hmm. talk about Artemis. Well, Mars is more interesting. No offense, moon, um, <laughs> but it's a lot farther away. Yeah. Yeah. But moon, uh, the Mars and beyond, it keeps saying. And I'm like, mm -hmm. okay. Yeah. Cool. Well, I'm actually, look, the, we the, already, the we already did it, moon. So we can't yeah. just do moon. It's got to lead to something, but it's funny. Like um, this is all fresh in my mind, obviously, because I'm working on it right now, but um the um i did a video a while back about like what nasa's plans were post apollo before you know the money kind of dried up you know mm -hmm. and it was just so bonkers and out there like they were gonna have multiple space stations around yeah. earth and the moon and shuttles back and forth and moon mm -hmm. bases and all the works and um and some of that you can see in the plans for artemis like this is yeah. sort of what they're trying to make happen with the gateway uh -huh. and everything yeah um i don't know it's it's, it's actually lot, i mean a lot of those ideas were like boy you're spending a you're you're gonna bring everything with you you're yeah. just gonna that's and and we don't have to do it that way anymore you yeah. know yeah the, well uh, yeah it brings up the whole question of like if if nasa's model of making sure that there's every single state in the country is contributing something because that's how you fund things you know like yeah. is that is that even relevant anymore does that even work yeah it's, i don't know that it does it doesn't really seem like uh congress is that pork focused anymore it's more um can you deliver on my culture war right. <laughs> <laughs> see nasa just needs to get caught up in a culture war i guess maybe they already are oh god they are i mean nobody yeah. isn't um yeah yeah i hear but, they manufactured covid in one of their labs well i mean how else yeah. would on you the space station yeah. yeah yeah you gotta you gotta do it <laughs> one way or another um I did a video on monkeypox just the other day and it's just, Oof. it's so heartbreaking how like immediately everybody goes to conspiracy theories on everything. Yes, it is. At the same time, I think that there is a growing, but still quite small portion of the population that is responsible for that. I think that they're very important. Mm -hmm. I think that they are very uh, electorally important because they vote in primaries and yeah. that's really scary. Yeah. Um, uh, but I try not to think that when I go to the grocery store, all oh, you f it crazies. <laughs> <laughs> but that is the influence of social media. Oh, and, absolutely. And being on the internet and stuff. Like once upon mm -hmm. a time, you'd have to sit in front of somebody and argue points and 
and and have to see them the next day so you didn't call him a nazi necessarily yes or a nazi but um oh, and also you couldn't you couldn't say you couldn't reach me like or anyone i couldn't so this is the the analogy that my brother and I used there when we were growing up, we go, went to this restaurant called Racks, which was a roast beef place like Arby's, but not mm. Arby's. And it's there's like two of them left. And across the street from the Racks was a house and the house uh, had a fence and the fence was painted with basically tweets because that was the only way to do it. And they uh, were f-ing bonkers. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And but it looked bonkers because yeah. it was some guys who was painting his fence with a brush and like it looked like an insane person lived there which indeed Just i'm sure was the case yeah. but now that person doesn't have to paint their fence mm-hmm. they can write a tweet and that tweet looks just like my tweet and just like barack obama's tweet and mm-hmm. it you know that like it's obviously not given the same level of credibility, but it's given more credibility when it's a response to my tweet. Maybe I'll read that and maybe I'll think I need to respond to it. But if it was like some guy who painted his fence, I was like, oh, thank you for letting me know. You're just nuts. (laughs) Whereas on the internet, you don't get that sense. And and I have... Um, my, I have a a person who manages my TikTok for me and she's also active on Twitter. And she will sometimes sort of lament to me when I like say something like it was earlier this week when we were talking about the climate legislation, people were like, yeah, but, and like all, all these reasons why it's actually bad. And she was like, this, this is so discouraging. Like you can't say like, nobody says anything good. Nobody feels good about anything. And I'm like, well, can you count the number of those replies, the number of likes on those replies, and then the number of likes on the original tweet. And can you tell me which one of those things affected you psychologically more, but which one of those things is actually 12 times or 120 times bigger yeah and uh and and that's that's another one of the problems you know where yeah. we we give a lot of weight to the people who are bonkers <laughs> or or we <laughs> kind of want to say like look at the people who disagree with me they're bonkers yeah and so we point to them when in fact you know they're not necessarily representative of uh the sort of variety of ways in which people disagree with me which there are lots of yeah i stopped taking comments personally a long time ago but yes, but yes. but now it's just more like a god there's a lot of broken people in the world <laughs> you know yeah. like a, it's just that sort of weight of just like really is this what's out there but mm-hmm. even then i'm like but are these real people because a lot of them are like i'm not sure they even i real, feel like most know? of them are real people but a lot of them are acting um so the the, the difference is are you telling me an opinion or are you trying to win in some zero sum game that you have invented? Yeah. And, and that's sort of like how you're validating yourself right now. That's, yeah. that's the, the tool you're using now and you've used other tools in the past and we all have different ways of validating our existence and yeah. feeling valuable. And that's the tool they're using now because it's just the best one. And it is a really good one. Like there's nothing quite like believing that there's a, global conspiracy of satanist pedophiles uh to convince you that your work is valuable yeah <laughs> in fighting them you know what killed me i went to um we traveled to salem a couple of years ago salem massachusetts and we did all the witch stuff you know yeah. the, the witch museum and um one of the little things that i went to they were talking about how like 
not just in Salem, they were all over uh, Europe as well, but these little witch crazes that took place. And mm-hmm. and they they would say things like these witches are are, you know, killing children and drinking their blood and all this stuff. And it was like, oh, this has been going on for a yeah, long time. Yeah, that's familiar. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. That sounds very familiar. Like it, it's like it's like if you really want to demonize somebody, go to they're drinking the blood of children. Like that's yeah. the ultimate like place yep. to go to. <laughs> And and like we're still doing it, like hundreds yeah. of years later, it's still the uh-huh. it's still the go to you know demonization. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what whichever thing works best, <laughs> stick to the hits. <laughs> <laughs> it's well, like so, it's like it's like list articles, you know. You can't get yeah, away from it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, real quick, that was something I would I did want to kind of uh, kind of ask you about, or at least have a conversation about. Was um, you know you brought up John a few times. Mm-hmm. And both of you guys have have done really well for yourselves and in, in similar veins, and you work together and whatnot. Um, I'm always fascinated by how, like, the people that are around us shape who we are. You know what I mean? Um, I mean, just this is a weird example, but like, the, I was watching a news story, and it was there was a, a kid who was going to college, and he was the first uh, kid in his family ever to go to college and stuff. And of course, it was it was a big deal, and we're celebrating and everything. But I was kind of watching it, and it was like. I, I didn't even have a choice whether or not I wanted to go to college, you know, like that's, that's just mm-hmm. what we did. And mm-hmm. and it was kind of like, it, it's just, whereas oh, same, same kind of thing. I'm sorry. I'm kind of jumping all over the place, but like, if you, if you grow up in LA or Hollywood and you're around people who make say movies and stuff like that, you don't think anything at all about becoming in, you know, working in the movies later on. Whereas if you grow up in the Midwest and like films are something that are made way off somewhere else, and it's just not an option for you it's like a big deal to get into the film industry or something, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I know I'm bouncing all over, but I, I guess I was just kind of thinking about like you and John kind of growing up together. I was curious, like how you guys maybe supported each other. Was there a thing in your family that kind of like shaped both of you in the directions that you went into, or is that something you can even talk about because it's your experience and I don't know any <laughs> different, you know? I, yeah, I don't, I don't know any different, um, but I've had, I've had reason to think about it. A fair amount because you know it's cool and weird um <laughs> john went to boarding school when i so i think when he was 15 and i was 12 or maybe when he was 14 and i was 11 um and so like we we didn't have and then he was in college and like so like our like our childhood relationship ended earlier than most mm. siblings um, sorry how how what's the age difference again three years three years okay yeah it's me and my sister are three years apart yeah and the <clears throat> um and, and I, I think that there was you know it, we had a really i think interesting upbringing in that my mom and this doesn't happen that often i don't feel like but my mom was from sort of a more affluent family and my dad was from a more working class family mm. and um, and she was a Southerner and he was a Yankee and he um, and and they experienced some amount of, you know, frustration from her family because of this. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, and I think that there was a little bit of for my mom, maybe more than my dad of like we I want to prove that this was a good call, mm-hmm. which it was <laughs> like he's he's great. Uh, my dad, my dad keeps ass. Um, and so does my mom. Uh, and they, they uh, did it. They, you know, they were super hardworking people. 
who did really interesting things and who, um, you know, managed to get, you know, they still do interesting things, but they're retired now. Um, and, uh, the, my dad was the Florida state director of the nature conservancy when I was growing up, which is a hard job because Florida was going through a lot of development at the time. And the goal of the nature conservancy is to protect wild places Mm. from becoming strip malls. And, (laughs) And uh, my mom worked a lot in sustainability and community organizing and worked for Disney for a while and or like consulted with Disney for a while. Uh, And like that's also uh, (laughs) tricky. And she worked at the Science Center. So I have like you could see all of the things that I became in in their um, in their work. The. um, uh, And uh, but I think there was some amount of like, you know pressure to differentiate ourselves that john maybe felt more than i do because i'm not as anxious as he is Mm -hmm. um but sort of like you don't have to be the best at any particular thing but you do have to be the best at something kind of vibe Mm -hmm. um and i think that that's when i hear my mom like that in my mom's voice i hear it as a very supportive proud thing and i think that john sort of hears it more as as a directive (laughs) oh okay (laughs) um or like a like a judgment if you don't achieve that Uh but like very supportive uh but also very like if you show interest in something we will support that thing and we will will try and get try and like and sometimes that was a little too much pressure for me like i was kind of a layabout um Mm -hmm. for a lot of my life um but the uh but the brotherhood dynamic was always very strong in the if john says it's cool it's cool direction to mm. the point where like he'd like a band and I would become obsessed with the band. Gotcha. Yeah. And that is kind of what happened even in my late twenties with YouTube, where he was like, I think that what's happening with like Zay Frank and Lonely Girl is really interesting. And I was like, I think what's happening with Zay Frank and Lonely Girl is bigger than the printing press. No, I think it's interesting. Um we I, I'm a I'm a younger brother myself. And a lot of what you just said resonates with me because um yeah, my sister was like a super overachiever when I was growing up and I was just the goofball. And <laughs> and I don't think my parents knew what to do with me because I was just like, yeah. you know, in my room having conversations with nobody and different voices, you know. <laughs> that um, sounds that great. Kind of yeah. Um, sounds great. So it's, yeah, I think we're, we kind of travel some similar paths there. But um, before we wrap up, I'd love to give people a chance to talk about something they don't normally get a chance to talk about. So are there any like rabbit holes you've gone down other than climate change legislation that have been... <laughs> taking up your brain um i mean i spend a lot of time thinking about uh how education works which we talked a little tiny bit about earlier mm-hmm. but um it'd be very i think i i i think a lot about what i do if i had extra time i have like time fantasies where i like ah, i'd learn spanish <laughs> i'd <laughs> get good at the drums <laughs> I'd spend more time with my wife, but also become a professional pinball player. Uh, (laughs) That, uh, but the, uh, you know, I think that the, probably the most impactful thing of my work, not sort of intentionally, but sort of ended up this way is probably crash course and, mm. uh, and just like helping teachers and helping students. Uh, And the, like the sort of, my experience was just like yours, you go to college. And, you know, the, there's a lot of people who, 
that's not the case for, but there's also a lot of people who uh, sort of get into college and they take out some loans and then they drop out by their sophomore or junior year and then they don't have a degree, but they have, you know, $10,000 in debt and that now they've, now they've got both, this is the worst possible outcome. <laughs> and I think that they are, because a lot of people in my position where I'm like have more power and I have more, um, you know, sort of some, some influence because people like me, when they think college, they think people who were 18 and went from high school to college and then did college for four years and then graduated and almost everyone they knew graduated, that's an exceptional situation and is not normal. Um, yeah. And so relearning that has been a, a journey for me, trying to figure out how does college actually work? Mm -hmm. What is the typical typical college experience. There is no typical college experience. Um, and sort of what do different, what would a different learners experience? Um, John's been doing work like with specific student to sort of like understand his individual journey, hmm. like a first generation college student. Um, and uh, who's been in and out and like, you know, because of financial reasons, mostly. And that's no, it's practically unsustainable anymore. It's the, it's the top reason why people drop yeah. out is that they can't afford it. Um, well, and not just and like this is another thing. Like you can make college free, but it still costs money because a lot of these people need income. You know, yeah. like you need to buy food. You might have family who are depending on you to some extent, and and you might be living with them, and they might expect you to contribute to groceries or to rent or whatever. Um, and that uh that the reality of the it starts to really emphasize the the reality of the caste system in America and that that is to us invisible because we live inside of it right um but it uh it sort of begs to be addressed mm -hmm. and so that's that's a lot of what I I'm, it's not like the funnest rabbit hole to go down, but like trying to figure yeah. out how like like the how those systems are failing and how they are succeeding and which institutions are doing a good job of addressing them, which institutions are doing a better job of graduating non-traditional non students uh, and and then having them have degrees that are, you know, economically useful mm -hmm. Um is really interesting because not all do and you and we spend so much time talking about you know ivy league and i spend a lot of time interacting with people who went this is the weirdest thing i interact pretty regularly with people who went to harvard or mit or, or some ivy league thing uh -huh. <clears throat> you know what the the freshman class size at harvard university is it's two thousand people Every year they, they accept 2,000 people, uh, which is just no one. <laughs> like it is such a tiny number yeah. of people. Yeah. And a, a lot of those people are sort of shoe-ins because they are legacy Lazy. or they are donor people. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it, it is just a luxury brand. Mm -hmm. And they reinforce that luxury brand by also accepting the like extraordinarily exceptional people from the general population. Yeah. And I'm not saying those people aren't extraordinarily exceptional. They are, but there's lots of extraordinarily exceptional people who go to like state schools. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I went to 
like it, it, it was shocking to me because I went to a liberal arts school that, that I think of as tiny and I is tiny. It was smaller than like the, like the class sizes were, you know, not substantially bigger than my uh, mm. high school. But like my high school had more, had more people at it than went to Harvard that year. <laughs> like that's, and we talk so much about these schools and they, and like they matter, but only because we make them matter. Yeah. And like, and Harvard sitting on this endowment that's like per student, you know, a thousand times bigger than any public university mm. at least. And it's just so weird. It's very weird. And it's, uh, and I think that we completely misunderstand, like it, it's very difficult to understand how higher ed in the US works, but um, it, it needs to be understood. And, and I've had a lot of help trying to get to understand it so that we can design Crash Course to be better at uh, serving those people. Um, but that's, it's tricky. That's a, that's a lofty goal. It's tricky. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd love for it to be the thing that I spend most of my time on, but I also feel that way about four and <laughs> other things. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I come from a family of educators. Both my parents were teachers, mm. um, grew up in a really small town. So I actually had my own dad as a teacher for a couple oh, of wow. years. Yeah. yeah. That was interesting. Um, <laughs> married a teacher. So like I, I grew up around teachers and have been around teachers my whole life and and now I do educational content on YouTube, but you, there's no, there's not enough money in the world to actually get me to step in front of a classroom and do teaching. Like it, I mean, I've, I've heard the only thing teachers love more about than teaching is complaining about teaching. And that's what I've heard from day it one, is. as long as I've lived. It so, is a hard job. It is. And they don't yeah. get nearly what they should. But. It is a hard job that isn't paid well. And also it keeps getting harder yeah. uh, in a lot of places. So yeah. That's very frustrating. That's anything to take a pressure off of a teacher is if you're working in that world, God bless you. Uh, yeah. And also if you're teaching um, to all the quit. teachers out there, <laughs> please, please we don't thank quit. you. We will try. We will continue to try to make systems that work um, instead of these systems. Yeah. And when I, and I've pledged to you that when my child goes to school, I will not yell at you for doing your job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See, look, like the, the idea that anybody could get away with something at school is just a foreign concept to me because my my school was so small and both my parents were in it. So like, yeah. by the time I got home, they already knew what I did that day. <laughs> and and so I just I knew I was going to get in trouble as soon as I got yeah. home. And yeah. I I grew up with a very different experience than I think a lot of people. But yes. Anyway, sounds weird. I don't want to keep you too long. I know you got other things going on, but I, I Oh my God. I, I did not realize what time it was. Yeah. I've been keeping an eye on it, but okay. uh, dude, I appreciate this so much. Yeah, this is, this is thank really you cool. so much. You yeah. are a, you are a goddamn national treasure. And uh, thank you. Keep up the good work, Joe. All that stuff. Say, say hi to Sarah for me. Hi, Sarah. She, she's somebody on my team and she's, she's a big fan. So I just want to make her squee. Hi, Sarah. <laughs> thanks for doing, <laughs> thanks for doing uh, things when Joe tells you to. But also, more importantly, doing the things that Joe doesn't tell you to that are exceptional and helpful. She would tell you that it's more her telling me to do stuff and I never oh, get around Oh, yeah, that's to actually that's great. Really, that's my favorite yeah. thing. Yes, I have, I have one of those, too. <laughs> She's like, you need to post on TikTok, damn it. And I'm like, uh. Yeah. So, well, Hank, I hope we get to do, the, do this again sometime. Yeah. Cool. Thanks, Joe.
So that was awesome. Again, big thanks to Hank for spending some time with me. You know, it's it's kind of hard to be a science communicator on YouTube and not be at least a little bit of a fan of Hank and what he's been able to do. It's super impressive. Uh, if somehow you don't know his work, do go look him up. Show him some love. You will be rewarded for it. This episode was produced by Kimmy Britt, edited by Bray Brown. I'm Joe Scott. You can find me at Answers with Joe pretty much everywhere on the socials. Of course, my YouTube channel is also Answers with Joe. Anyway, thanks a lot for listening. Please do share this if you thought it was interesting. And a nice review on whatever podcast player you're listening to right now. It really does go a long way, and it's very appreciated. But until next time, thanks. Have a good one. Now go out there and start some conversations of your own. Take care. Mm-hmm.